Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Going through some crazy Black Friday stories. Hope you had a good time. Hope that you enjoyed Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump calling the show once again. I should have known that they both treat these as a national holiday and an international holiday as well. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora at this point in the show, on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, Mr. Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football, and myself, of course, of wakeupcalldt.com, are here to give you advice on Week 12 of the NFL when it comes to fantasy football. Week 12 means you either have this is your second to last week of the regular season, or you have a, you might have a week after this, or you might have two weeks after this. So it's either your second to last or third to last, whether you start on Week 13 or Week 14. But we are coming to your playoff time, and so it is ever crucial for you to make the right decisions. Mike, I'm going to make some quick notes here. I told people uh, for the Minnesota-Detroit game to consider Case Keenum, uh, Latavius Murray, as well as Adam Thielen for Detroit. I said Matt Stafford, you know, he did okay. I said Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, As far as Los Angeles, Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, I also said that Keenan Allen should be out there and Hunter Henry. They both scored. Dallas, I said pretty much nobody. And as far as the Giants, I didn't really have anybody. In Washington, I said Kirk Cousins as well as Samaje Perrine, who you and I thought would step up sooner, and he's getting the job now. So he didn't get it as, as quickly as we thought he would get it. But as far as making an impact as a rookie, we were right on that. It just took a little bit of time for him get, to get out there. And then I told people to play Jamison Crowder, especially with Terrell Pryor Sr. on injured reserve. So my advice going into Turkey Day seemed to pay off some dividends. And then in reality, Minnesota won. Dallas is terrible. And Washington is is fighting to get second place in the East. What are your big fantasy takeaways really, really quick from Thanksgiving? And then we'll jump into the rest. Well, I thought Phillip Rivers looked really good. I thought the... Um... The whole Los Angeles Chargers attack, the scheme, Keenan Allen, they kept hitting that soft zone. And then key was the ability to pressure Prescott, and they still couldn't protect him. They didn't really establish a running game with Rod Smith or or uh, Alfred Morris. Uh, clicking over to the Minnesota game, I thought Minnesota and Detroit, I thought that was the best game of the day. It was good that they started right out of the box with that one. Adam Thielen and Diggs were both pretty pretty much a strong presence there. I thought um, Latavius Murray did a pretty good job as well, and I thought that both teams were able to pressure the opposing quarterback, and it made for an interesting game. But that night game, uh, the Giants and the Redskins was uh, was a snooze fest. That was that was Thanksgiving in a nutshell. There, it was a good to have it on the night of Thanksgiving because you know you had excess. It was it was almost too much football at that point. It was bad. You were feeling bad about how much you ate. And, and, and the game was bad. And then it puts you to sleep at some times as well, just like happens after you eat. So it's a good thing that game was on Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny to me. They always try to push this this third game down your throat, right? It's like the third sandwich. You have your first sandwich, which is Detroit's game. Then maybe you get to the second one before you have to take a nap, and that's the Dallas game. And then you totally forget there's another game on, and you turn on the TV and you're like, who the hell's playing right now? Why is this game on television? And then you end up falling back asleep before you wake up at 11 o'clock to get some more cranberry sauce. I think that that's an accurate depiction of what we're talking about. But on a serious note, in that, in that game, you know, Crowder did show up and Samaj Perrine really took control of the ground game, was able to catch a 
few passes. I thought Kirk Cousins looked pretty good, even though he got sacked six times. It was just it was just pitiful how both teams were able to attack the quarterback, and neither team could really protect the quarterback. It was interesting. Yeah. So I mean, to to get to where we are today, coming out of Turkey Day, we have a bunch of Sunday, November twenty sixth games, and one on Monday, November twenty seventh. What do you have for Tampa and Atlanta? Well, you know what? I think Atlanta may be the bounce back team right now. I think Tampa. I think these are two teams heading in the wrong direction. You know, I think Matt Ryan's going to have an improved game against a weak uh, Tampa secondary. Matt Ryan, the number seven quarterback this week. You know, you, you can't say that about the opposite side of the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a pretty smart guy, Harvard educated guy, but he's number eighteen when it comes to reality and fantasy. And when you're looking at the running back situation, I think Devontae Foreman's going to be out again. That's going to kick up or, you know, knock Tevin Coleman up a few more spots again. He should be an RB1 as the 10th running back this week. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I can really say that about the Bucks with any running attack. I mean, Doug Martin, he's a low-end or maybe a high-end RB3, maybe a flex guy. You know, the value is going to be in the receiver. I think Julio Jones is bouncing back here. He'll, he'll be the number two receiver this week. Surely you have to consider Mike Evans, even though the passing attack isn't what it needs to be. They're going to have to throw the ball and keep up with Atlanta. He's the number 11 receiver this week. And as far as tight ends, I can't really count on Cameron Brate. I, I know that he's that seems to be the, the premier target there, but, you know, it looks like Fitzpatrick is starting to get something together with O.J. Howard as well, so that's going to take away from, from Cameron Brait, and Austin Hooper hasn't really been showing up much either on the other side of the ball, so it should be interesting for, you know, one side of the field for fantasy this week. Yeah, you know, and, and for this game, Cameron Brait, he, he hasn't been thrown to a lot with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and like I always say, every quarterback has their receivers, Cameron Braid has an ankle injury. He's questionable in this game. Jameis Winston's still going to be out. So Fitz is playing in his third game as a starter. And then as far as Atlanta, Devontae Freeman, it has a concussion. <clears throat> he is questionable. Julio Jones, every single year, it seems, shows up on the injury report with an ankle injury or a toe injury or a foot injury. He has an ankle and a knee injury. He's left him questionable for this week. So just watch on those uh, those couple of injuries that we have for the game coming up. As far as Atlanta goes, they're still in the playoff hunt, believe it or not. And, you know, they have an opportunity to do some good things. They're at home. On the other side of this matchup, Brian Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, he's a, he's a low-end quarterback, too, in this game. But he's still worth noting because he will do some good things. O.J. Howard is worth an opportunity because he got a touchdown from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he has the opportunity to obviously move forward with Cameron Brait hurt. Mike Evans is another guy to look at because he was the top receiver for Ryan Fitzpatrick and for Jameis Winston, that is not out of the ordinary as well. So that's something to look to as you move forward that Mike Evans and O.J. Howard could be some good plays for you on the side of Tampa Bay. As far as Atlanta goes, for what I can say to you with Atlanta's team, Tevin Coleman, he had been stepping up and then the injury to Devontae Freeman helped him out. Tevin Coleman's still worth the play. Julio Jones, if he's good to go, is worth the play. And Mohamed Sanu, if you have to go for a wide receiver four, you're really looking for somebody and you're digging this week, not a bad plan to put him out there as well. Uh, Matt Ryan, he's a high-end two for me. I think that this game can go back and forth. I don't know how much he's going to offer you. Fitz and Ryan are not bad quarterbacks to play in fantasy, but they may be quieter 
than others as we move forward this week. I mean, this game could be in the 30s, but I still feel like leaning on these quarterbacks this week is probably not the best idea. Next game that we have up, Mike, is Cleveland at Cincinnati. The battle for the rights to not be in the basement of the AFC North. What do you have for this one? Well, the battle of Ohio is all going to be one-sided. It's all going to be the Bengals. That's where your fantasy money goes as well. Uh, Andy Dalton, the number 16 quarterback this week. Not so much for Deshaun Kaiser. I hope he's not on your team. But if he is and you have to play him, you have to play him. He's the number 29 overall quarterback this week. The value is going to be Cincinnati trying to force-feed the ball to Joe Nixon, trying to make something happen. They're going to wear this situation out and hope they made the right move. It doesn't look like Joe Mixon's the guy everyone thought he was, but they're going to continue to try to get him the ball to get something going to balance that attack. But you know what? The real value in fantasy dollars is on A.J. Green, number three receiver this week. He's the guy they're going to throw the ball to. They're going to be throwing the ball against a weak Cleveland secondary. And there's nothing really on the other side of the ball for Cleveland. I mean, at least Cincinnati has a Tyler Croft they can lean back on, but there's no real receiver situation in Cleveland I'm comfortable with. But keep your eyes open. We always say that uh, you're two weeks, if you're not two weeks ahead, you're a week behind. And if you're not on this already, you may already be too late. But Josh Gordon looks like he may be coming back. And I don't know what you've seen or heard about him, but I've seen a lot of video on him, a lot of tape on him from practices and workouts. And let me tell you, the guy looks like he could take the field right now. So I look for him to make an immediate impact in week 13. So that may help you get into the playoffs or that may help you get by the first round of the playoffs this year. Yep. And remember Josh Gordon's been suspended longer than most people have been alive, but he is out for this week with an opportunity to potentially play at some point. Maybe he will, maybe he will not. Kenny Britt, Questionable with a knee injury that's been that way for weeks. Isaiah Crowell, shoulder injuries left him questionable. His game has been questionable. Cincinnati, really nobody offensively to be too concerned about when we look at this matchup. As far as what I think about this one going into it, if you got to dig deep, you know, if you got to look for a flex, somebody to throw out there, Corey Coleman and Duke Johnson Jr. Duke Johnson's not a bad opportunity for you. Corey Coleman has been... So up and down uh, the last his his first two seasons in the NFL and been injured, not injured. So Coleman is a low end wide receiver four. Duke Johnson Jr. is a high end three in my opinion. He's the best opportunity for Cleveland to get something going. High end to mid end three, I would say. As far as the Bengals go, I picked up Tyler Croft as soon as as soon as the other Tyler Eifert when he went down. I picked up Croft and. That's paid off dividends for me in the end zone. A.J. Green as well. I don't like anybody in the rushing attack for Cincinnati. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. Joe Mixon made it worse, which I considered to be a potential possibility in this thing. So Croft and Green and and really nobody else, unless you want to put Andy Dalton out there because he is playing Cleveland, and that's not a bad play. I got him as a quarterback one this week in an opportunity to go up against a team who has not won a game and is 0-10 fighting for that number one draft pick moving forward. Tennessee and Indianapolis, Mike. Tennessee, uh, obviously, is is right behind Jacksonville. They're playing at Indy. Indy could play spoilers to this one. They're not doing anything good for themselves, but they could help out Jacksonville. Your thoughts on this one? Well, the fact that the game is in Indianapolis and it's only a a three-point line for Tennessee 
dictates to me that the the sharps or the bookmakers think that this is an even game. If it was on a neutral side, it'd be an even line. But I would have to go with Tennessee. I think there's a much more of a fantasy value on the Tennessee side of the ball. Marcus Mariota, number nine ranked quarterback this week. Jacoby Brissett still shaking out the cobwebs. Is he going to be clear? They're thinking he's going to be clear as of today. He's been practicing, but he's got to finish the concussion protocol. He's a number 17 quarterback. And mind you, that if he does not play, obviously Scott Tolson is going to be the man and everyone else is going to receive a downgrade on the Indianapolis side of the ball. Uh, looking at the running attack, DeMarco Murray is going to be the lead horse, of course, number 18 running back this week. Derrick Henry keeps trying to divvy up those carries, but you know, in the last game, he hasn't been as productive. Number 39 running back this week. And looking at the receivers, you know, T.Y. Hilton's going to be the man. He's the number one guy. They're going to force him the ball. He's a number nine wide receiver. And, you know, Tennessee's got Rashard Matthews. Number 18 receiver should pick up some yards for you. Look for the continued resurgence or, or surge of Corey Davis, too, provided he's healthy enough to play. And on the tight end side, of course, you got to go with both of these tight ends, if you ask me. I mean, it looks to me like Jack Doyle is going to be the sole bright spot in in Indianapolis. They're going to throw him the ball in the red zone, and most league scoring systems, that's what you're going to use is those touchdowns, not only the touches for the uh, tight ends. Those are valuable. You saw what uh, Kyle Rudolph was able to put up on the board yesterday with two touchdowns. So look for Jack Doyle to have a big game as well. Yeah, you know, this this game, and Jacoby Brissett was a full participant. Like Mike said, you know, he's got to be cleared, cleared when it comes to concussion protocol, but it looks pretty good for him. On the other side, Richard Matthews, who has come up the last couple weeks, had a hamstring injury <clears throat> that's listed him as questionable for the game. You know, in this matchup, Marcus Mariota really just had, he hasn't been, you know, great in fantasy-wise. The team had one touchdown to four interceptions against Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Derrick Henry and, and DeMarco Murray have been shells of themselves from last year. I look at Delaney Walker for Tennessee, and outside of Delaney, it's a toss-up of everybody else. These are individual questions. Dan, should I play Derrick Henry? My other guys are injured. Should I play DeMarco Murray? I got, you know, guys that are going to be, you know, that that I didn't use on Thursday. I got to put one more in there. These are not quarter. These are not running back ones or even running back twos to me unless it's a very low-end grade on that. So Tennessee, Delaney Walker is the one I feel good about. On Indy's side, Frank Gore, Dante Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton, you want to hope they could do something, but really Jack Doyle is the guy that's been most consistently effective. He may not get you the yards, but he gets looks in the end zone. So this is kind of a tight end game for me. Buffalo at Kansas City, your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, I think Buffalo's trying to right the ship. I think they had some self-inflicted wounds by riding along. Yeah, they lost a game or two, and then they changed quarterbacks, and it went totally south really quick. You know, the poor guy had five, six, six picks, whatever it was, in the first half, and Peterman, Tyrod Taylor came in, looked a little better. But, you know, when you get somebody putting up 50 on you, that's not a good thing, and I'm wondering how that's going to help the psyche of everyone else on the team. Even the defensive side of the ball where they've had their struggles – because you look at a situation like they're going, well, we're going in the KC, and you know the offense doesn't know what the heck they're doing. What are we even doing out on the field? Let's just do what we got to do, try to stay healthy and get our check. And that's usually not the attitude you want from your players. And I'm not saying that's where they are, but that's where they could be heading. Looking at the game, I think Alex, Alex Smith has a 
great opportunity to put up some big numbers. But then again, I thought he was going to do that last week against the soft giant secondary, and he wasn't able to do that, and they lost the game. But Alex Smith, number four quarterback this week. On the other side of the ball, Tyrod Taylor is going to do what he can do to, you know, get things going. But he's the number 20-ranked quarterback. If you're in a in a dual quarterback league or with a super flex, you know, he might be a guy you consider there. At the receiver end, I think Tyreek Hill is the number one guy on both sides of the ball. He's the guy you're going to find the most value in. And in the running attack, both running backs are must-starts. If you have a LaShawn McCoy or, you know, if you have a Kareem Hunt, I don't need to tell you that. Although Kareem Hunt has struggled the last five weeks, hasn't been scoring, hasn't been putting up 100 yards. He did, You know, you got to wonder, is this a, a freshman, you know, player hitting the wall here? And, of course, Travis Kelsey, number two tight end, only second only to Gronk. And on the other side of the ball, it looks like uh, – Clay is trying to struggle to come back, but, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm going to wait till he puts up some numbers. Yeah, you know, this this matchup for Buffalo, somehow, someway, Buffalo is, is where they are right now after being a team that had high expectations at the beginning of the season. But they always find a way to be like a team that's 4-0, 5-0, and then be 5-5. and I mean, it's just a feeling of, you know, that really, really strong start and then that snap back to reality for Buffalo. LaShawn McCoy is worth the play for you in this one. With so many injuries, really nothing to talk about with the Chiefs injury-wise, but the Bills, Steven Hauschka, who came over from Seattle, an amazing kicker for them this year. He's limited and questionable with a hip injury. Charles Clay has a knee injury. He's questionable. Jordan Matthews has a knee injury. He's questionable. Kelvin Benjamin, he's questionable with a knee injury. Deontay Thompson is questionable with an ankle injury. So that is two, three wide receivers and a tight end right there for the team besides Steven Hauschka, their place kicker, which leads me to believe that Zay Jones being a high-end wide receiver three for you this week is worth the play out there on the field as well as putting out LaShawn McCoy. For Kansas City, yeah, it's been a haphazard, very difficult, very strange game to watch this past week when they played the Giants, lost in overtime 12-9. to had no business winning the game. Alex Smith had three interceptions, but one was called back, so he ended up with two. Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, the usual suspects. I still think that you can hope for them to move forward and, and do well, despite the fact that they were quiet most recently. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Miami at New England. Your thoughts on this one, Mike? Yeah, this is a 
game that no matter what happens, I know the line is huge. It's like New England minus 16. And for entertainment purposes only, even though the game's in New England, it's probably going to be blistering cold. You still got to look at a team like the Dolphins again, you know, value at 16 points. I mean, they always, it's like the Jets and the Patriots or the Jets and the Dolphins. These teams always play each other a lot better and a lot closer, although it looks like the Patriots are heading right back to the Super Bowl led by Tom Brady, the number one quarterback in fantasy year-round. Here he is again. If you're fortunate enough to have Tom Brady, I don't need to tell you you need to start him. On the other side of the ball, well, not so much. You know, it looks like it might be Matt Moore. I don't know if Jay Cutler is going to make the field, but even if he does, he's the number 26 quarterback at, at, at this point, and it's best not to play him if you don't have to. Although New, New England defense has struggled early in the year, they are improving. Of course, Deion Lewis is the guy, especially in a PPR league, but they're going to force the ball to Rex Burkhead as well. These two guys are going to make a dual-head running attack. I got Deion Lewis as the number 15 running back this week and Burkhead at 28. On Miami's side of the ball, it's not that much. I mean, they're want, it, it, it looks like Kenyon Drake is going to be the guy. It looks like he has all the tools, but it looks like Damian Williams is making more of his opportunities. He's the number 34 running back this week. Still not sold that they have a running attack after they let Ajayi go in Miami. And Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks had a fantastic game last week. This is why they brought him to New England, to stretch the field, give them some downfield threat, and actually follow through on that threat. He had some big plays in him, and I'm sure he's got some big plays in him today. On the other side of the ball, you're looking at a Jarvis Landry. You're looking at Devontae Parker. You're hoping these guys can put something together, Landry being a low-end wide receiver two and Parker being a low-end wide receiver three. And on a tight end field, I don't need to tell you about Gronk. You know you need to start him. There's not really a tight end to value in Julius Thomas on the other side of the ball, though. Yeah, this matchup between the two, Miami at New England, you know, Jay Cutler, they keep saying he's going to clear protocol, but either way, he threw three interceptions most recently. Uh, Kenyon Drake, he's he had been the guy, then it was Damian Williams. I don't trust either one of them in this game to really get it done. Uh, Kenny Stills is your best bet for Miami in receiving, and Jarvis Landry behind him are your two best bets uh, You know to potentially put them out there. Kenny Stills, if there's going to be a touchdown, it seems like Moore likes to go to him, and, and obviously with Jay Cutler, him and Landry are targets. As far as New England goes, Deion Lewis has been the guy getting the majority of the carries. He's still a high-end three for me because he's not great. He's okay. Brandon Cooks for New England is somebody to look at. Rob Gronkowski's been very quiet, but that's another opportunity for you. And if Danny is good to go, he's a good flex position for this week playing up against Miami. He's questionable with a knee injury. I think he's. I think he was born on the injury report. Tom Brady has an Achilles injury. Yeah, right. Okay, whatever. We we. Tom Brady always shows up on the injury report, and you, you just come to not believe it. But Malcolm Mitchell is on injury reserve. Matt Slater is questionable. Danny Amendola is questionable. Martellus Bennett, Rob Gronkowski, and Chris Hogan are all questionable in the receiving core for Tom Brady. He'll st- still find a way to get some guy named Bob Smith three touchdowns in this game. If Chris Hogan's good to go, that's another player to look at as well. Next up on the docket is Carolina at the New York Jets. What do you have for this one, Mike? Well, I think this is going to be an interesting game if, you, if you've if you been planning all along. Carolina's been staying afloat after trading Kelvin Benjamin. Looks like they're even improved after that move. And Greg Olson is coming back this week. So I look for a 
play from a Cam Newton. You know, I think Cam Newton's the number eight quarterback this week. The Jets do have a formidable front. They can attack the quarterback. They can stop a guy from running the ball. So be wary there. But I don't think there's much wariness in Christian McCaffrey, especially in a PPR league. But he's the number 20 running back this week. On the other side of the ball, things are going to be split up a little bit with uh, Bilal Powell. And, of course, Elijah McGuire is going to get a, a share of touches as well. You know, receiving-wise, I, I wish there was a lot to write home about, but Devin Funches is a high-end wide receiver, too, constantly improving. And every time I turn around or every time I'm on the Red Zone channel, it seems like Robbie Anderson of the Jets is scoring a touchdown. So if you're in a touchdown-only league, he's a great guy to have. But he's the number 19 receiver. Not bad for coming from the Jets, who's got the 21st-ranked quarterback in Josh McCown. And like we said before on a tight end front, Greg Olson's going to be the guy. He's going to step right into a tight end one position, number eight tight end overall this week. If you had Ed Dixon or if you've been relying on him, you might make another move and go ahead and drop him. And Austin Safarian Jenkins rounds out the tight end ones at number 12 this week. Yeah, this this game between Carolina and the Jets, like I said earlier, Carolina just finds ways to, to win games and to be relevant. They're in the playoffs if they started today. I like Cam Newton in this game. Uh, uh, Jonathan Stewart, I, I never say this, but Jonathan Stewart, maybe maybe put him out there as your second guy or your third guy in the backfield because of what he's able to do against a team like the Jets. Devin Funches, I like him in this game. Finally, it looks like he's waking up. Christian McCaffrey is worth the nod as well because he's getting involved a lot more too with Calvin Benjamin gone. As far as the Jets go, like Mike said, do you love to say more? But how much more can you say besides Robbie Anderson? That's who I feel good about. Next game up is Chicago at Philadelphia. Thoughts on this one, Mike? Yeah, I like the quarterback play by Carson Wentz so far this year. I think he's leading the team. He's one of my picks, either Philadelphia or the Saints, to make it to the Super Bowl based on the way both teams are playing right now. The both teams are hot. Carson Wentz, the number five quarterback on the other side of the ball. Well, not so much for Mitch Trubisky. Still on a learning curve. Still not really doing a lot terribly wrong, but not doing a lot terribly right either. Number thirty-first quarter, number thirty-one quarterback this week. The value is in a Jay Ajayi who keeps increasing his value as he gets more comfortable in that Philly offense. But I don't know what what he needs to be comfortable. It's just like you know, read zone left and go, and that's what they've been able to do. Great offensive line play as of late in Philadelphia as well. On the other side of the ball, they can run the ball well, too, behind Jordan Howard, number 11 running back this week. And look for Tariq Cohen to try to get back on track here with some short passes out of the backfield. Wide receiver-wise, Alshon Jeffrey leads the way for the Eagles. He's the number eight receiver this week, so I don't have to tell you, make sure you're starting him. But they don't really have a receiver of worthiness in Chicago, and that's part of the problem for Mitch Trubisky. However, I did see last week that uh, the tight end, Steve, uh, Shahan, shoot, how, how do I say his name? Shahan. You know who I'm talking about, the tight end there. <laughs> anyway, he's yeah. a guy you might consider to start if you're looking for touchdown only. He's not going to get a lot of looks. But you know what? Zach Ertz, he's put himself up in the discussion with Travis Kelsey and, and Gronk. He's a guy you have to start, but I don't need to tell you that. You know that. Yeah, Adam Shaheen, who Mike was talking about, from uh, from Chicago, uh, Adam Shaheen came out of a school that sounds like a movie that you would watch on Netflix, Ashland. Sounds like a TV show that would be on Hulu. So coming out of Ashland, Adam Shaheen 
is is somebody that uh, that Mike has brought up here. As far as who to go with in this game, your best bets are Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Don't look at them for crazy yardage. But here's the thing. If Philadelphia keys in on one of them, the other one's still there. So I don't want to tell you to play one and not the other. Hopefully you have both. There was an opportunity to get both this year. Probably not next year. But those are the only two that I feel good about. And usually when one gets silenced, the other one speaks up. So I would look to them in this game. Carson Wentz, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, who's come on in a big way as a young running back. They didn't get rid of him when they brought in Jay Ajayi. He's a rookie out of Wisconsin. He's gotten involved every single week. I think he's got three straight weeks of touchdowns on the ground. Elshon Jeffrey, another guy to look at as well. And Zach Ertz has been really, really quiet, but they're playing Chicago. So that's an opportunity for Zach Ertz. Next one up is Seattle and San Francisco in San Fran. Thoughts on this one? Yeah, San Fran is just a train wreck. They got a lot of guys on the injured list. And matter of fact, they're the top team with guys on injured reserve. I think they have 18 guys. Washington and the Giants are right behind them. And it's hard to put a worthy team on the field. They did manage to win a game, though, this year. So, But it's Seattle. I mean, Seattle's a better team. Whether they're on the road or not, I think Seattle's a better team. I know they have challenges once they cross over to the eastern side. But, you know, that this game is still out west. It's still in San Fran. So this is a good thing for Russell Wilson, number two quarterback this week. On the other side of the ball, well, C.J. Beathard, not so much. You know, it's going to be what it's going to be. That's what they have to work with. And the problem is bigger. The problem is they don't have anybody to throw the ball to. It seems the only guy that's playing worth a darn on that San Fran team is a Carlos Hyde, number 13 running back this week. And on the opposite side of the ball, they're struggling to get things going. Every time they find a hot hand, the guy ends up getting hurt. Well, here's the sneaky pick of the week. If you haven't done so already... Going into this week, going into the waiver wire, J.D. McKissick was available in over 90% of leagues, whether it was Yahoo or ESPN or what have you. If he's still out there, pick him up. And let me tell you why. Some leagues score him as a wide receiver because that's what his original position was on the team. But he's going to be getting a lion's share of the running attack as well. So some sites have him as a running back. So if you're short in one position over the other, you're still going to score some points. So look for value in J.D. McKissick. He's a number 37 running back this week. But like I said, he's going to catch some passes. PPR league, look out. You definitely want to have this guy in as a running back three or wide receiver three or as a flex. The wide receivers outside of that, you know Doug Baldwin, top 10 wide receiver every week. Paul Richardson, he's worthy of a wide receiver three or a flex. And you know what? Tight ends, Jimmy Graham is still around. The old guy is still proving he's worth something. He's the number five tight end this week and Sam Fran's still just still trying to get things going the only guy that's going to receive the ball of any note in Sam Fran is Marquise Goodwin otherwise and, and you know what he's not even a flex play for me he's a bench guy because otherwise these guys that may score on Sam Fran that's the guys that you're going to see in that thing where it's gonna, that helps nobody because it's Kyle Jusick and guys that you just never heard of yeah <laughs> for <laughs> For San Fran and Seattle, you know, Seattle has definitely shown up when it comes to some fantasy points recently, which has been a pleasant sign to see. Uh, Seattle in, in this game, you know, on the injury report is Jimmy Graham. He is questionable in the game with an ankle injury, but he's usually a fighter that'll find his way out there. Just play, pay a close hold to the injury report. You can check it out by going to wakeupcalldt.com and on the top of the page looking for the fantasy football tab and clicking on NFL injury report. Don't want to miss out on that. Probably brought to you by 315 Chiropractic and Wellness in Syracuse. 
New York and Dr. Tim Whiting. So much thanks and appreciation to them. In this game, Russell Wilson's not a bad play, nor is Jimmy Graham if he's good to go. Paul Richardson is a low-end quarter, uh, run, pardon me, wide receiver three. And J.D. McKissick, you know what? Why the heck not? They don't have anybody else running the ball doing anything with it. Mike Davis has been injured. Eddie Lacy has been everything that I told you he would be this season, which was non-significant in the rushing attack. So J.D. McKissick, put him out there, give him an opportunity as a flex player, running back three, four, whatever you need. They're playing San Francisco. So if you ever wanted to test him out and you feel like you got to go to the waiver wire free agency, he's probably sitting in free agency. You can probably pick him up pretty easily. As far as San Fran goes, they're playing Seattle. So Carlos Hyde's the only guy that I would say has any type of snowball's chance in hell of doing anything in this game. And uh, that's really all I have for San Francisco coming out of this one. Denver at Oakland. We'll take a step aside after that for a fast break. What do you think about Denver at Oakland? The battle to get out of the bottom of the AFC West. And Denver, if they lose this game, they have become... The, they've gone from Super Bowl contender, contender with the best defense in the country to one of the most insignificant teams fighting for one of the top picks of the draft. Yeah, from the penthouse to the outhouse. And this is something else because, you know, if you looked at this game like in week one, you were thinking, wow, that's going to mean something. Well, it is going to mean something because you're, you're absolutely right. The other team's pretty much going to be done. Both teams almost look done already. But, you know, it's going to be a, a, a first start for Pax and Lynch of significance here. And, you know, I'm looking for him to do some positive things. I'm thinking the time he's had, injury aside, this is going to be a great opportunity for him. And they may be able to get something going against the soft Oakland secondary. But I'm not looking for value there, and I'm not looking for value in Derek Carr either because they have trouble keeping the pocket around him alive, letting him step up into the pocket. He wants to step up, but there's a guy getting pushed back into him, and that's not good. He's the number 19 quarterback this week. Marshawn Lynch, he's going to have more trouble than people think running against that Denver front. Marshawn Lynch, the number 27 running back this week. And the sad thing is, is C.J. Anderson and Devontae Booker are going to kind of cancel each other out. They're going to cannibalize enough from each other and make neither one of them really worth anything, maybe an RB3 or a flex. And on the receiving side of the ball, same thing with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Now, Michael Crabtree seems to be the hotter play as of late, and really much all season. Both of those guys are 20 and 21, respectively, as far as wide receivers this week. And you know what? I wish I could say something on the other side of the ball. Demarius Thomas, maybe, but we just don't know what Paxton Lynch is going to do. So I got Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, both as low-end wide receiver twos, high-end wide receiver threes. And Jared Cook is the only guy of tight end importance I see in this game. He's the number 10 tight end this week. Yeah, this game between these two teams with the Broncos facing off against the Raiders Coming up here, uh, very excited about the opportunity of seeing who is going to get a higher-end pick in this game because that is exactly what this one feels like. It doesn't feel like really anything else besides that. Uh, four and six versus three and seven. Denver, Demarius Thomas is really all I feel somewhat okay about. He's a wide receiver, too, in this game. I'm not feeling great about uh, Emmanuel Sanders because he is injured still. I'd watch him and see how he responds. Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper 
are worth an opportunity from you. Marshawn Lynch, running back three. He hasn't been that bad in the last few weeks, and Denver's terrible. So that's how I look at this one to make it quick, simple, and easy. We'll take a step aside for our final fast break of the show. We'll wrap up Fantasy Football Friday for Week 12 of the NFL in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We are inside of Fantasy Football Friday, Week 12 of Fantasy Football, proudly presented by the Wildcats Sports Pub, 40, or pardon me, and 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, your home for all fantasy football watching as well as the NBA, NCAA football, basketball, the entire bowl season, soccer, whatever it may be. When it comes to watching sports, when it comes to getting good food at a good price, hanging out in a family-friendly sports bar atmosphere where you can have a beer with your buddies or bring the kids and the family and hang out as well. It is literally the marriage of all things good. You don't have to leave the family to watch the game, and you don't have to go to a place that doesn't have a nice drink at the bar to watch the game. You got a full array of different things that you can order, and the best house sauce that I've had from a local restaurant on Wings in Central and Upstate New York up to this point. So big shout out to the Wildcat for all the good work that they do, and very happy to be with Mike Sofka once again of Hall of Fame Fantasy Myself, Dan Tortora of WakeUpCallDT.com. We have just a few games to get through as we finish off today's show. I said I was only going for an hour on today's show for the holiday, and I'm going to end up going the whole gamut because, once again, I love you, try to do good by you here, and Mike and I got to give you the advice that you need as you ramp up for your playoffs in fantasy football. One of the best games, I would think, coming up this week, but they underperformed in the last game. Minnesota and the Rams, this is a playoff game, a fight for who's going to be in second place of the NFC. I loved this matchup going into it, and it was terrible for Los Angeles coming out of it. But we have another opportunity to see another great game, and that being New Orleans against Los Angeles. The Rams going to face off in Los Angeles. Thoughts on this one, Mike, because New Orleans, L.A., Philadelphia, and Minnesota all have great records in the NFC this year, and I don't think anybody thought that any of them would be where they are right now. Yet, here we are, and L.A. is coming off of an embarrassing game against Minnesota, 
Now they have an opportunity to face New Orleans. This game should be 33-31, to but last week, one of the best offenses in the country was quiet. What do you think about this one? Yeah, this is the game I'm most anxious to watch this weekend. 8-2 and two going against 7-3. and three. The line says the Rams are going to win by 2.5, but that leads me to believe, again, that the Saints are really the better team. And, you know, the knock on the Saints on the road is always that Drew Brees doesn't play well on the road. Well, you know what? He doesn't have to. He just has to hand the ball off to an Ingram or hand the ball off to a Camara. Both guys are RB1s, top-level RB1s. You can't go wrong with either one of them. They can do no wrong. They can go through most of the game without Drew Brees, or they can rely on Drew Brees. So I look for a lot of running in this game, and I look for a lot of running from both sides of the ball because Todd Gurley's a number one running back in fantasy this week, and he's going to have a lot of opportunities to catch the ball too, especially with Robert Woods being out. Now, you would think that would tick things up a bit for Sammy Watkins, but he hasn't been able to deliver. Sammy Watkins, a mid-level wide receiver three this week, quarterback play i got drew Brees as a low-end quarterback one and i got jared goff as a high-end quarterback two so i look for the value being in the running game on both sides of the ball tight ends really nothing to write home about on either side of the ball so you're really looking for all your value in the running backs here who would have thunk that just a little while ago when Mark Ingram was having some trouble a couple seasons ago and Latavius Murray has been quiet that this or Latavius Murray, pardon me, and think back to Minnesota and Todd Gurley was a shell of himself last year that this would be the type of game that we would be getting. But, you know, the funny thing about the season and how crazy this NFL season has been is that the Rams game last week and this week are two potential previews of the playoffs with New Orleans, L.A., and before that with Minnesota, L.A. So very exciting for this. The L.A. Rams are taking care of business since moving to Los Angeles. The Chargers should move back to San Diego. And I just I don't see L.A. as being supportive. I don't know how supportive they are right now, but I know if they don't show up for this game, then they'll never show up for football because this is the game that is a premier game for fantasy fans. Even if you don't have a fantasy player in this game, I feel like you still get excited to go out and see. I mean, this is this is one of the best games we may see all year in the regular season. I'm hoping for a bounce back from L.A. and to continue to push from New Orleans. Talk about bounce back. New Orleans had to score 18 points against Washington at home in New Orleans to force overtime and win the game. For this matchup, I like Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, and Alvin Kamara. I might sound like a broken record, but darn it if they aren't all good. Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn Jr., low-end running back threes, in my opinion, for this game. or a quarter. Uh, I keep wanting to say everything but wide receiver for whatever reason. So apparently this week I'm, I'm relying on, on uh, quarterback and running back play. But no, Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas, low-end wide receiver threes. As far as the Rams go, Jared Goff, he had a terrible game against Minnesota. Look for him to bounce back. He's a low-end I would say he's a high-end two. I was going to say a low-end one, but I'd say a high-end two quarterback. Todd Gurley's obviously worth the play. Robert Woods has had a great two, three weeks, and he's going to be out. So look at Cooper Cup as a wide receiver three for you and the potential of Sammy Watkins as a wide receiver three as well. Next up on the docket is Jacksonville at Arizona. Jaguars get to play a late game, which never happens for the Jaguars, 425 p.m. Eastern time. Thoughts on Jacksonville, seven and three and third in the AFC, facing off against the Arizona Cardinals, who are the opposite of Minnesota. 
They lost their quarterback and their running back, and they look nothing like themselves, where Minnesota looks just as good, if not better, without their quarterback and running back. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for Jacksonville to put more distance between themselves and Tennessee, especially if Tennessee does struggle at all in Indianapolis, which could happen. The Jaguars look solid on defense, and they look really solid running the ball. And that's what they need to do. That's the formula. And that's the guy you want to play in this game is Leonard Fournette. You know, he's the number six running back this week. On the other side of the ball, Adrian Peterson's going to be the guy, but he hasn't been getting it done. I don't, you know, I got him graded out as a low-end running back, too, and I think that might be a little high for him. Neither quarterback is worthy of a start, in my opinion. Blaine Gabbert, they call this the revenge game. Yeah, I don't think so. Revenge against the Jacksonville defense? No way. And Blake Bortles is going to struggle a little bit as well, I think. He's a very low-end quarterback, too. Wide receiver-wise, that's part of the struggle. Neither one of these teams really has a value guy. Maybe Arizona, you could argue Larry Fitzgerald's a low-end wide receiver, too. If Marquise Lee is able to play, he's a number 41 receiver this week. I can't really count on any tight end from either side of the ball either. So I rest all the fantasy this week in this game on Leonard Fournette's shoulders. Yeah, the funny thing about this, Mike, is you said that, you know, is this the revenge game of Blaine Gabbard against his old team? And, and yeah, that's, that's ludicrous and that's laughable, but this is a revenge game. It's a revenge against the Jacksonville defense having revenge against Blaine Gabbert for making them stay on the field the whole damn game when he was in Jacksonville. This is a revenge game on Jacksonville's defense repaying Blaine Gabbert for all the strife that they had to go through while he was there. Blake Bortles, in, in this opportunity, he's a low-end quarterback, too. Leonard Fournette is a one for your running backs, obviously. D.D. Westbrook got his first action against Cleveland. Great to see D.D. Westbrook out there, finally. He is a rookie out of Oklahoma. He was a finalist for the semifinalist for the Boletnikoff Award. And he, I mean, he he's waited. He has just waited and waited and waited for this game in this moment. D.D. could be a nice little sneaky a flyer that you put in there on on this game for Jacksonville at wide receiver in a flex position. Mercedes Lewis, this is a game where he could excel himself in as well. As far as on the other side for the Cardinals, just no. Uh, may, maybe Larry Fitzgerald. That's it. I'm not going to go crazy with this one. Britton Golden is injured. J.J. Nelson, John Brown, all injured in the wide receiver core. Obviously no Carson Palmer and no David Johnson still, so... Not too much to write home about. Jacksonville's defense and special teams, something else to be excited about. Arizona's defense and special teams might give you something in this game, might get a defensive touchdown, so that's something to look at as well. Good, this might be a close game. This might be like a 19-17 game, but look for Jacksonville to gut it out and for Leonard Fournette to run the ball and for the defense to do their job. It's like an old Big East school on, on the field. Run the ball down your throat, play good defense. Green Bay at Pittsburgh. This game was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers versus Ben Roethlisberger. Could have been a sign of a Super Bowl to come, but it will be Brett Hundley against Ben Roethlisberger and the ever-amazing Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and the up-and-coming Juju Smith-Schuster. Thoughts on this one, Mike? Yeah, well, even as little as six, eight weeks ago, you'd have thought this would have been a dynamite matchup, but looks like these are teams going in opposite directions. Looks like the Steelers have righted the ship here. Ben Roethlisberger, number six quarterback this week. And, of course, Brent Hundley, not so much. I don't even want him on my team. Hopefully he doesn't have to start this game for you. 
And looking down at the running backs, you got to go with Le'Veon Bell. You already know that. He's in that Todd Gurley discussion. He's always near the top of the pack there. Well, Green Bay's going to counter with Jamal Williams, and he's a high-end running back three at best. He's been getting it done a little bit for what they've been able to rely on him for, but when you don't have good quarterback play, that's going to knock everything down and make it that much harder on the guy running the ball because they'll load an extra guy in the box. Pittsburgh's able to counter with Antonio Brown, number one wide receiver, gets it done every week, double team, triple team, it doesn't matter. He gets it done. And then you look at Juju Smith-Schuster and the ability he's had to explode on the scene thanks to Martavius Bryant and thanks to some other injuries. This guy can make it happen. He's a playmaker. They like to get the ball in his hands in space. He's a top-end wide receiver, too, this week. And then tight end, not really much to write home about on this. And, oh, yeah, the wide receivers for Green Bay, you know why I haven't mentioned them? Because they're not worth mentioning. They don't have a good quarterback. Devontae Parker, number 33, wide receiver this week. And did you ever see that gif where they show Homer, Homer Simpson, like, gradually fading back into the bushes? Yeah. That's Jordy Nelson. Where has he been? Where has he gone? What have? Where have you gone, old Jordy Nelson? Well, he doesn't have a good quarterback that's able to give him the ball. So, bye-bye, Jordy Nelson. I'm sorry if you had him on your team, but I don't think there's much going to be done with him for the rest of the year. It's funny how quickly things can change when Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams together were one of the best tandems last season and now have gone quiet. If you're going to play either one of them in this game, Green Bay at Pittsburgh, then Devontae would be the guy because Devontae has actually put up some yardage. Not so much. The thing is, Green Bay's not getting in the end zone, but Devontae Adams is putting up some yardage. So let's call him a, a mid to high end wide receiver three in this game. As far as anybody else besides that and Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams, I agree with Mike. He's a running back three. He's not in your top two. He's the guy that you bring. You know, If you're looking at the team in the depth chart, he's not your split back situation. He's the guy you bring in after number one and number two. So you look at the opportunity for Jamal Williams, maybe slim to none, but when in doubt, they may run the ball. So that's something to look into. As far as Pittsburgh, Juju Smith-Schuster has a hamstring injury, didn't practice, on Thursday, Vance McDonald has an ankle injury at the tight end position. They're both questionable in the game. Ty Montgomery is questionable with a rib injury at running back, and Aaron Jones is going to be out with a knee injury as well for the Green Bay Packers on their side. For Pittsburgh, Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and if Juju's good to go, then put Juju Smith-Schuster out there. Low end two, high end three, because he's come on really late, and he's had some darn good games. The final game that we have to speak of in a week that nobody was off, Houston at Baltimore on Monday night. Thoughts for this one, Mike? Wow, this is going to be another game of severely bad quarterback play. Joe Flacco checking in at number 23 as far as quarterback go this week. Hasn't been able to get it done. Looking for some daylight somewhere. Hoping to find it in this game. On the other side of the ball, Tom Savage. He's just bad. He's just really bad, and the Baltimore defense is really good. So I look for Baltimore defense to be a dynamite play for you this week. Um, you know, looking at the running backs, well, you know they're going to run the ball in Houston. Lamar Miller is the number eight running back this week, and they're going to have to run the ball in Baltimore because they can't pass the ball. You know, Alex Collins checking in at number 22, a low-end running back two this week. Looking at the receivers, it's hard to find one that's really top-level. You know, when you're looking at even at DeAndre Hopkins, and I got him marked down as a 16 as far as wide receivers, so that's a wide receiver too. 
I don't see how it, they're going to get him the ball, yet they seem to get him the ball in double and triple coverage, even with a bad quarterback in Tom Savage. So there's some value there. It's just temper your expectations. Baltimore is struggling to find that identity, throwing the ball. I don't know, a Jeremy Macklin, you know, Mike Wallace. You know, you're stretching to get one of these guys as a low-end multi-flex or wide receiver four. And tight end, there's really not a tight end to write home about this one either. So look for the value in the running attack on both sides of the ball here. Yeah, you know, when it comes to wide receivers in this game, Mike is right. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, the fifth, are both on the injury report. They're both questionable. DeAndre with a foot injury. Fuller with a rib injury. I would lean on Fuller probably not being out there if I had to put my feet to the fire. Uh, DeAndre, if he's good to go, yeah, they get him the ball. So look at him as an opportunity for you. On the other side, Mike Wallace is not a bad high-end wide receiver three, but Alex Collins is the best player of either side in this game that I feel good about, that I feel best about in fantasy. That is your fantasy football advice for Week 12. Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, myself of WakeUpCallDT.com. If you go to the homepage on WakeUpCallDT.com, and you should, shouldn't be an if, should be a when, when you go to the homepage on WakeUpCallDT.com, scroll down and click on the quick links to fantasy football. All of our past shows are there in the archive, as well as an opportunity to get the injury report from 315 Chiropractic and get my thoughts and predictions on each team in their games this this season going from week to week. So, Mike, as always, happy belated Turkey Day. Happy Black Friday. Happy weekend of selling cars, as I know it will be insane, I am sure. And as always, God bless and be good, and I'll talk with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. That coming from Mike Sofka. Last note that I have for you, I guess this is the annoying moment of the week, proudly presented to you by, Car- presented to you by Carvel DeWitt. To end the show instead of begin the show, like it always does on Fridays at 9 a.m., Sy- the- Syracuse, the United States of America does not have the best international image right now. You might laugh when I say that, but it's true. Here's the thing that's the annoying moment of the week. Do you know who's considered to have the best international image in 2017? Germany. The former Reich of Hitler. The former Nazi Germany. Germany has the best international reputation in 2017. Second, France. Third, United Kingdom. I can agree with that. Fourth, Canada should be so much higher. Tied for fourth, Japan. The United States is sixth. Italy is seven. Switzerland is eight. Australia is nine. Sweden is ten. Absolute insanity, folks. The annoying moment of the week proudly brought to you by Carvel DeWitt on 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York, the home of the wake-up call Sunday with cookie dough pieces and caramel swirl, and it is open every single season of the year. Don't let the cold weather fool you. The annoying moment of the week to wake up the day after Thanksgiving and find out that Germany has a better international image than America. And to add injury to insult, insult to injury, however you want to look at this this thing, that France is above America, not by a little bit, but by a lot. Germany and France, better reputations internationally than America. Folks, what are we coming to? Maybe it's because we're crazy on Black Friday. Have yourselves a great day. Be safe out there. And I can't wait to see you before the SU football game, two hours before, at Lees and Staggerwald. And I can't wait to see you 
as I can't wait to uh, speak with you, I should say as well, on Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern time, we go back to our normal schedule. God bless. Have a good day. Happy Black Friday. Enjoy your turkey and be good to yourself and be good to one another. This has been Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Find me all the time on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, on Twitter at Call DT, and on Instagram at Wake Up, at wake up Call underscore DT. I just, I can't. Germany and France above America. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a good day.